Om Namo Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Ajnana Tamarandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Good morning. So we are hoping to uh, finish the um, 13th chapter. That's what we're on, right? Yes. So we're on um, Canto 7, Chapter 13, Text 29. And if you remember, this is not just any chapter, right? This is a, it's about the renounced order of life, sannyas, and also the very elevated part of the renounced order of life, the, the Paramahansa is speaking. Um, and he's giving us some, some things that we may not imitate, like we may not eat like a python, like he does, and just wait for food to come our way. We might go hungry very quickly. Um, but other, other instructions are, uh, are very applicable. So let's begin. Um, and here's a, I love the way the Srimad Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Gita and Lord Krishna and his great devotees use analogies and uh, metaphors and uh, examples in this case. Just as a deer, because of ignorance, cannot see the water within a well covered by grass, but runs after water elsewhere. So it's right in front of it. The, the, the deer's face and doesn't see it and looks elsewhere. And the purport probably says, looks towards the desert. The living entity, so us, covered by the material body, does not see the happiness within himself, but runs after happiness in the material world. And Prabhupada said, this is an accurate example depicting how the living entity, and why, because of lack of knowledge, runs after happiness outside his own self because of lack of knowledge. When one understands his real identity as a spiritual being, he can understand the supreme spiritual being, Krishna, and the real happiness exchanged between Krishna and one's self. Okay, so even let's say those, those two sentences are so powerful. Because of lack of knowledge. That's one of the reasons why we have these classes every week and we read the Bhagavad Gita, we read the Srimad Bhagavatam. Because otherwise we, we can forget and we become like the deer who miss, walks right past the well and looks elsewhere for its water. And here it's saying that real happiness can be found... And that's why the, it can be found from within. And that's why the Srimad Bhagavatam says, ahaituki apratiyata, that bhakti cannot be um, curtailed, um, blocked by anything material because it's within. It's your relationship with Krishna. And even we read the Nectar of Devotion that one may be a total pauper but can offer Krishna the great opulences in their mind. And Krishna accepts such things. So there's no real impediment. That's the word that Prabhupada uses generally. No impediment to our spiritual progress. So when we understand our real identity as spiritual, as a soul, um, then the next step is to understand the supreme spiritual being, Krishna. 
And then the real, and then the just understanding where soul is not the real happiness. The real happiness is when we feel that reciprocation with Krishna, uh, between Krishna and oneself. It is very interesting to note how this first points to the body's growth from the spirit soul. The modern materialistic scientists think that life grows from matter, but actually the fact is that matter grows from life. The life or the spiritual soul is compared herein to water, from which clumps of matter grow in the form of grass. One who is ignorant of scientific knowledge of the spirit soul does not look inside the body to find happiness in the soul. Instead, he goes outside to search for happiness, just as a deer without knowledge of the water beneath the grass goes out to the desert to find water. The Krishna conscious movement is trying to remove the ignorance of misled human beings who are trying to find water outside the jurisdiction of life. Raso by Saha, Rasoham Apsukontaya. The taste of water is Krishna. To quench one's thirst, one must taste water by association with Krishna. That this is the Vedic injunction. So um, I hope there's people waiting. Sorry about that. Henry, I, I better turn over the duties to you, let people in. Sorry, there's still other people joining. Okay, good. Um, so this is, you know, one, one time someone asked, you know, Prabhupada said, why are we distributing so many books? He says, because we're distributing knowledge. We're trying to, you know, and that is a, uh, a first step um, in uh, chapter four, verse 10 of the Bhagavad Gita. Remember that. Vita Raga Baya Krodha Man Maya Mam Upasritaha Bahavo Ganat Tapasa Puta Madhavam Agataha. Being freed from attachment, fear, and anger, being fully absorbed in me and taking refuge in me, many, many persons in the past became purified by knowledge of me. So that's first. And thus they attained transcendental love for me. So first knowledge, and then that gradually can lead to love. So we are on uh, Canto 7, chapter 13, text 20. Okay. Um, yeah, so, you know, uh, as, as the song goes, um, we're looking for love in all the wrong places. And that is a fact. So I was thinking how this connects to this month of Kartika. And the, you know, it's said that this is Radharani's month and that this is a month for making great advancement towards uh, us developing our love for Krishna. And so what we're reading here is the very beginning of that, you know, understanding the difference between the body and the soul and then linking the soul with the supreme soul, Krishna. Um, and not, so, you know, the Shastra, especially these, you know, these earlier cantos before the 10th canto uh, will repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly uh, act to convince us that our real happiness is elsewhere. Uh, and, and not, or rather it's not in chasing the, the mirage in the desert, but looking for that well of, of waters, you know, figuratively of, of Krishna.
And that is very important. And we need to develop our love for Krishna, hear about Krishna, hear about his pastimes. Um, and in one sense, that is the best way. It's so we, 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 we you know, absorb our consciousness and our intelligence and understanding, yes, I'm not this body, this material world is not a place of, uh, is a place of suffering. It's, it's, it's not my real home. Everything is, as we're going to read in, in two verses from now, everything is, you know, finished at the time of death, et cetera, et cetera. And then on the other hand, all the positive things about developing our love for Krishna through chanting Krishna's name attentively, attentively for to hearing about Krishna, to understanding Krishna as a person. When Krishna is running in fear of Mother Jashoda, he's actually afraid. It's not like he's putting on an act. He's God, but he's actually just putting on an act. No, by the nature of, of Braj Bhakti, the nature of Brindavan, he actually is afraid of his mother. And his mother is, you know, um, is just wants her son to grow up and not be a rascal when he grows up. <laughs> so this, this, the, the Leela, the drama that goes on in Brindavan is so special and so um, intimate that this is God. God gets so overwhelmed by the love of his devotee that he forgets he's God completely in, in that loving exchange. So this is, this is Krishna. Uh, and Andy has uh, said, uh, put a quote, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them, will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Thank you. Same point being made. Yes. Lovely. Lovely. Questions, comments on this uh, powerful verse? Hare Krishna, Prabhu. Yes, Nandi Mukhi Devi. I'm thinking about this point of chasing after the external objects. I'm thinking that those who are chasing after these external objects, they are not really make the pursuit of happiness their first priority in life. Instead, they make this external objects their first priority and acting on the assumption that this external object means happiness. Okay. All right. So, they, so the happiness, the goal, but the means to the goal is the external object. Is that what you're saying? And therefore, the first priority is the external object. Did I catch you? Did I get that right, what you were saying? Right. Yeah. And and the most important thing is the most important thing, which means we need to make the pursuit of happiness our first priority rather than those objects. And therefore we have to and then we have to define what happiness is, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And Krishna is so clear, Yehi Sun Sparsajabhoga Dukka Yonaya Evate. Adi antavata kantaya na teshu ramate buddha. 
an intelligent a Buddha, a person who's very intelligent, does not ramate, take pleasure in things that have a beginning and an end. And what are those things? Yehi sangsparsaja boga, connecting the senses with the sense object, or as you're saying, external things. Yes. And and it's yeah, it's it, and it goes very deep, right? Because when we have external things, whether you know, whether it's a, a beautiful husband or wife, or whether it's a fancy car, or whether it's um, you know, great knowledge of, of the world, or whether it's a huge bank balance or or whatever, we tend to identify with those things. And in that, and to the, especially to the degree that we are intensely identifying with those things, it becomes harder to identify as, as, as in our relationship with God. And one of the tricks in Krishna consciousness is that we don't have to give up material objects. We have to see their connection with Krishna. I remember that, remember that example I gave of the wallet, right? The, uh, the wallet. And, you know, you find this on the ground someplace. Mine doesn't have much in it. Well, there is a $20 bill. Uh, and the, the person who wants to enjoy this world, he's compared to the person who takes the wallet and steals it, takes the credit cards and, and the money and everything, right? Then the person who uh, says, no, there's no real enjoyment. Everything's temporary in this world. That's the person who leaves the wallet on the ground. But the person who picks up the wallet, opens it up, looks for the driver's license and sees the address of the person and looks it up on Google or whatever and calls them and says, hey, I have your wallet. Um, how can I give it to you? That's like the devotee. who. Uh, so he doesn't, devotee, devotee doesn't just leave the wallet there. Uh, in this example, the devotee picks up the wallet and finds out to whom it belongs. So similarly, we may use so many things in, in Krishna's service. And we may have a beautiful wife, a handsome husband, and bank balance, and this and that. Um, but the, we see the connection with Krishna. So that, interestingly enough, is what is a, defined by Rupa Goswami as real renunciation, as opposed to just leaving the wallet there. That's that is called falgu falgu. If I'm pronouncing it right, renunciate uh, falgu rairagya. Um, it's not seeing the connection with Krishna. So thank you very much for that, Manimuki. Very helpful. Other points? Okay, then let us see what we, else we have here. So the next one, the living in text 30, the living entity tries to achieve happiness and rid himself of the causes of distress. But because the various bodies of the living entities are under the full control of material nature, all his plans in different bodies, one after another, are ultimately baffled. 31, materialistic activities are always mixed with three kinds of miserable conditions. Adhyatmika, Atidvaivaka, and Atipotika. And we'll hear in the purport uh, what those words mean if you don't know them. Therefore, even if one achieves some success by performing such activities, what is the benefit of this success? One is still subjected to birth, death, old age, disease, and the reactions of his fruitive activities, meaning his karma. Purport. According to the materialistic way of life, 
If a poor man, after laboring very, very hard, gets some material profit in the end of his life, he is considered a success, even though he again dies while suffering the threefold miseries, adiyatmika, adidoivika, adipotika. So we, we, you know, we hear that, I mean, in general parlance, I'm not talking about in the devotee circles or, or even people who are you know, a little more tuned into things. But in general, if you were at a, uh, at a party and someone says, oh, so-and-so, he, oh, she's become very successful. What, what, what usually comes to your mind? What, would they, what are they usually referring to? Say, oh, he's, she's become very successful. Money and things of that yeah. Money or fame, yeah. Money or fame, yeah. Right. So that, and so obviously, this this uh, Paramahamsa, this great sannyasi, is not thinking like that. And Prabhupada's point is that yes, you know, if you become a success, um, but it lasts as long as this body lasts, and it doesn't, um, it doesn't exempt one from the threefold miseries. And here the, here the next sentence tells us what they are. No one can escape the threefold miseries of materialistic life, namely miseries pertaining to the body and mind, especially those, right? Those are really hard. And then this next uh, clause in this sentence, I really like it. I haven't seen it so many places where Prabhupada lists so many uh, things under this category of, um, I think this is Adi Bhotika. Miseries pertaining to the difficulties imposed by society, community, nation, and other living entities. Usually we hear like, you know, other living entities and devotees give the example of mosquito, right? Or, um, you know, uh, things of a dog bite or something like that. But here probably broadens it to difficulties imposed by society, by your community, by your nation. And then um, Adidaivaka is uh, the miseries inflicted upon us by natural disturbances. And then <laughs> this definitely has affected us this last year and a half, earthquakes, famines, droughts, floods, and epidemics, <laughs> and so on, and so on. So there's more, you know, just severe cold, severe heat, severe whatever, right? Um, so. This is, yeah, this is, this runs upstream, contrary to what most people say, but, oh, yeah, so-and-so has become very successful, right? And, and then I think people in general, yes, envy, Henry puts, yes. People in general, they, they, I think even to this day, although not as much as in the past, if, if a famous person or a celebrity either, you know, commits suicide or, you know, checks into rehab because they're addicted to this or that, and people are like, they have everything. Right? How, could, how could this happen to so-and-so? Or, you know, well, obviously what happened to Marilyn Monroe and back in, you know, or, you know when I was young and, uh, or this or that, um, because, you know, as Henry kind of put out of envy, or we just think that person is so successful, right? I mean, look at the uh, super, super, some of the most super rich people in the world, right? Two of them got divorced recently, right? Um, Bill Gates and uh, Bezos, 
Henry, you're on mute. You're saying something. Talking about my personal envy of anybody that's successful, you know, uh, oh. that uh, even oh. before the money, you know, I just, you said, what comes to mind when you hear that somebody's successful? I, I'm jumping way ahead. I'm already envious of them. Who is it? How can I get, eke out of revenge? <laughs> Very good. Your, your, your humility is killing us all. <laughs> um, thank you for that. Yes. So, so you know, the, the, this sannyasi, this paramahamsa, He's trying, and Prabhupada, they're help, trying to help us redefine what success is here. Now, we don't have to, you know, uh, lay down like this Paramahansa Sannyasi, but, but it is good at different stages of our lives. Um, you know, different things take on, uh, you know, different percentages of our consciousness, right? Um, and that's and and the shastra talks about that. Grihasta has a different consciousness than a vanaprastha, right? And, and a different consciousness than a sannyasi. And um, you know, um, but but in general, we want to generally define success as coming closer to God, coming closer to Krishna, coming becoming more. Um, Thinking more, you know, of about Krishna as as a real means of success, and then if that is our criteria, then as Henry in his humility is pointing out, when we see someone successful, air quotes successful, we're like, oh, that poor person. <laughs> you know, let me see if there, I wonder if there's some way we could introduce them to Krishna <laughs> instead of. Um, saying, oh man, he's got so much and what do I have, right? Like that. So let's see, let's continue a little bit more and then see if you have comments on this. Uh, and Prabhupada goes on to, in some more detail, if one works very hard, suffering the threefold miseries, and then is successful, there's that word, in getting some small benefit, what is the value of this benefit? Besides that, even a, if a karmi, is successful in accumulating some material wealth, he still cannot enjoy it for he must die in bereavement. I have even seen that this, 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 this example Prabhupada brings up a lot. He, this must have really made a uh, impression in Prabhupada when he saw this. I have even seen a dying man begging a medical attendant to increase his life by four years so that he could complete his material plan. Of course, the medical man was unsuccessful in expanding the life of the man who, ever, who therefore died in great bereavement. And then next sentence, uh, material plans for material happiness have no value. Again, this is, uh, but under the spell of the illusory energy, we consider them extremely valuable. So we may have our livelihood in, a, in another uh, purport we're going to read a little later, Prabhupada said, and I, I, I appreciated this a lot. He said, at, at the most, spend eight hours a day in your livelihood, which uh, I thought that was nice to hear because sometimes people say, especially with a pandemic, that your average employee has put in over, you know, more work because they're so, you know, they, they, they're up at night because their office is, you know, um, 10 steps away from everything else, right? But um, 
us, I don't know about the, um, you, Dean, but as a government worker, we work eight hours a day, bus. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Enough for government work, as they say, right? Um, now that has uh, not been the case with me. I got it, <laughs> but that's partly my own um, just at times workaholicness, which right. uh, you know it, it's not good. And um, I mean, even outside of of um, Krishna consciousness, it it eventually wears you down, no matter what you uh, what you do. You know? Yeah. Yes. So, um, Psychologically, and then and then he kind of affects other things. You know. Yeah, because we don't want to be, you know, climbing up the ladder of success and then find it's leaning at the end of life. It was leaning against the wrong wall. You know. Mm -hmm. So, um, so now for me, you know, I'm kind of winding down in my age, and things look different from this. But you have a three-year-old child. I have a thirty-year-old child. Um, so it's, it's, a that's why that was kind of the point I was making. We're at different stages yeah. in, in our lives. Yeah. Uh, Shakshi has a college age child, right? Shakshi now? Yeah. Yeah. High school, Prabhu. High school and she's going to next year college. Yeah. So next year. Yeah. That's right. I was talking to her. Yeah. But applying and all that. Yeah. Um, and Ananda Rupa also, I think college age and, and one beyond. And Nandi Muki is happily unmarried. Henry is a Paka Brahmachari. I don't know about David. I'm assuming he's not married because he just seems so happy. Bad joke. Uh, <laughs> Andy, do you have children? No. Okay. No. But you're married. Met your wife. Yeah. Yeah. Fairly happily married. Yeah. Yes. And Mun, I think you have children, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I have. Two in college and one eleventh grade. Okay, so there you go. So you're <laughs> you're getting close to the emptiness. So we have different, you know, different times. I was visiting a devotee uh, a few days ago. They have a three-year-old and a six-month-old, and so you don't expect, you, you shouldn't expect someone who's sixty-three and you know someone who has a thirty-year-old kid and someone who has a, a three-month-old to be in the same um, space, right? But but the the Vedic system is that as we do get older and as we do get in our 50s 60s and above we start not we start but we get closer and closer to um to death and try to get closer and closer to krishna and spend more time and 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 dedication in that direction um some questions comments thoughts on uh text 31 I'll just add one thing from my own life. I mean, uh, so I, a lot of what kind of happened with me is, uh, you know, uh, like those early college years kind of wasn't focused. And then just the amount of time, especially after my father passed away. And I think I kind of like became my own father with, you know, the, the being hard on myself, <laughs> you know, when he was no longer around, I did it to myself type thing. My God, the amount of um, anxiety and, and whatnot I've spent um, trying to catch up in my mind. You know, it's, it's, I can't even begin to express it. I mean, almost working myself, whether working jobs and then going to school at night and things of that nature. Uh, it's, 
you know, kind of feels like I've been running in a hamster wheel to some extent for. And our society, well, first of all, our society often glorifies that, mm -hmm. right? It, it's just, I, I think this also comes up in a purport a little later. It's just that our society, it's not, it's just, yeah, it's not based on helping the citizens become self-realized. <laughs> it's not the goal of it, right? No, uh, as Nani Muki is saying, as Nani Muki was saying so nicely. And so imagine that a culture, a society that, that, that where that is the goal, it's, it's, it, it takes on different, you know, it's not like, you know, somebody once said, well, if everyone just became a Hare Krishna and was dancing in the streets, how would society, what would, how would things go on? And that is a straw man argument. <laughs> but I've seen devotees fall for it. Oh, it'd be ecstatic. It would be great. <laughs> no, people are, you know, uh, when, when, you know, someone asked me that, I say, well, um, that's not, <laughs> there's still going to be, you know, candlestick makers and, you know, uh, farmers and, and, and administrators and teachers and schools and, and all that. Um, but it'll be a different focus. <laughs> but you know, one of my um, one of my favorite books is Plato's Republic. Yeah, and I don't know if you've ever read, read it, but um, you know the whole thing is about setting up this uh, perfect, I guess, powerful society. But the beginning of the of the book it starts. You know, Socrates is, I guess, talking and his his interlocutors or his you know students i suppose ask him what the perfect society was and he basically starts by saying oh well basically just everyone living simply and not consuming more than they need and you know just focusing on the family and that was it and of course the the subordinates are kind of like they look at each other and they're kind of like well that sounds like a bunch of crap what about you know, spices and, and dancing <laughs> women and, and these things. And that's what talk, you know, he finally like, all right, fine. If that's what you want, here, here's how, this is what it'll be. And anyway, the reason I bring this up is because I don't think anyone even remembers that that first critically important part of that book is that the whole, the entire story or, or thing that he sets up afterwards is effectively something that he divine defines at the beginning as as inherently flawed terribly <laughs> and actually impossible and i forgot that part not, of not impossible excuse me that the, what follows his his republic is actually something that's a form and not really something that exists in the real world in other words horribly flawed yeah thank you for that reminder yeah thank you for that very nice. Other thoughts on this uh, verse? Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes, Ananda Mataji. So I really like it in this verse. Um, Srila Prabhupada has uh, um, clearly highlighted from materialistic consciousness what we consider success is actually not a success. And uh, with repeated questions, what is the value of this benefit makes us really... Um, uh, think deeply about it because at some point or another we we do uh, engage in over endeavor um, and then comes expectations and when these expectations are not met of course miseries follow 
So um, all over Bhagavad Gita, you know, and uh, other purports teachings, um, repeatedly we have reminders, what is the success of life? Like Prabhupada says, uh, perfection of life. That's how we can achieve the perfection, make this life perfect. And here again, uh, so I was in parallel thinking like in Nectar of Instruction, you know, uh, Rupa Goswami has explained over and over as one of the points, yeah. over and doing for mundane things. I think it's the second or third verse in Nectar mm -hmm. of Instruction where six principles are given, how um, devotional life is checked. So um, so this, these, uh, I think this is... Uh, Sri uh, Prahlad, right? He's giving this. He's speaking right now in this no, chapter. The, uh, he's he's being spoken to by this uh, Paramahamsa. Okay. Uh, okay. So, so anyway, I mean, throughout this canto and other other teachings, also we get so many <laughs> repeated reminders how we should be very careful uh, making the right choices because yes, that's uh, personal experience. We do lament when our uh, um, expectations are not met, and uh, actually when we misidentify with from you know misidentify with the body, we misidentify with so many different things, mostly in material consciousness. Thank you. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well said. Other thoughts? Okay. Then we will carry on. Text number 32. The Brahmana continues. So, yes, it's a Brahmana. I am actually seeing how a rich man who is a victim of his senses is very greedy to accumulate wealth and therefore suffers from insomnia due to fear from all sides, despite his wealth and opulence. And Prabhupada in this in the next purport just makes a, a very, you know, it's very um, important point, especially for those who are dealing with, you know, uh, money in ISKCON. As far as our Krishna conscious movement is concerned, we are getting money naturally by the grace of God by selling our literature. And now we get donations in other ways. This literature is not sold for a sense gratification. Uh, to spread Krishna consciousness, we need so many things, and Krishna is therefore supplying us the resequit money to advance his mission. And then a little later, there is a danger for a preacher when he receives great quantities of money. For as soon as he spends even a cent of the collection for his personal sense gratification, he becomes a fallen victim. The preachers of the Krishna consciousness movement should be extremely careful not to misuse the immense quantities of money needed to spread this movement. Let us not make this money the cause of our distress. It should be used for Krishna, and that will cause our eternal happiness. Money is Lakshmi, or the goddess of fortune, the companion of Narayana. Lakshmi Ji must always remain with Narayana and then there need be no fear of degradation. So there's interesting stories like, um, not stories, uh, um, examples in uh, Prabhupada's life. One time he had to make a payment or um, in downtown Vrindavan from the temple. So the devotees said, okay, I'll, you know, and, and he told the devotee to do it. And, 
and uh, the devotee, I, I don't, I won't, the details I'm not sure about, but the basic point was the devotee was going to take a rickshaw down and Prabhupada said, how much is a rickshaw? And it was, whatever it was, let's say it was three rupees in those days. And Prabhupada said, no, a stamp is only one rupee. So send it, put it in the mail and save the two rupees. And if you see, he kept a, um, a diary um, when he was in 26 Second Avenue at the very, very beginning of Krishna consciousness movement. And he kept track of every penny, how, you know, uh, you know, three apples, uh, 29 cents and, and all that, and kept track of, of every paisa. So um, especially when we're, you know, dealing with uh, uh, money that's donated to Krishna in a temple or, for, or something like that, uh, it has to be accounted for uh, properly. Uh, I noticed uh, in the last newsletter that the temple in D.C. sent out, they also sent out their, um, their um, financial statements. And that's, that's, that's a good practice for everyone can see. It should be um, transparent how, how the money that's being donated is spent. Now, our own money, it's not that we should just like, whatever, but it is, you know, especially Prabhupada here is talking about money that's actually, you know, some kind person gave a donation to Krishna, therefore it should be taken care of. Uh, as for our personal expenses, well, you know, there are uh, some guidelines that Prabhupada has given. We've talked about this before, the 50% principle. But in general, um, you know, uh, kind of picking up on what Nandi Mukti said earlier, difference between uh, wants and needs are, are, is an interesting discussion to have sometime. And, uh, and at the same time, we should not um, hesitate to spend money for things that will somehow or other help our Krishna consciousness or just you know, make life a little easier in Krishna consciousness. Um, just like, um, so to take care of my health. I don't know if you notice sometimes when I'm speaking, I'm rocking back and forth a little bit. Anyone notice that? That's because I have a mini elliptical under my desk and I'm doing some exercise as I'm talking because I sit at it behind a computer so often. And if I don't take care of my health, then I won't be very much use for Krishna's service, right? So yes, I spent a couple hundred dollars to get a, a mini elliptical that's under my desk. And uh, you know, if I can't get my 10,000 steps done by walking around, I can get a lot of them done by um, bicycling in place <laughs> while I'm talking. So my point is, you know, we may do so many things uh, to, you know, take care of ourselves. I remember when I was thinking of getting a car for my wife and I decided to buy a Subaru because it had four wheel drive. And I thought, well, you know, it should be safe. It gets something that's really safe for, you know, for someone who's uh, serving Krishna, right? So, you know, so we do, we can spend, and even Prabhupada said, if you if you buy something cheap, uh, you cry many times. If you buy something good, you cry once. Because, <laughs> you know, the cheap thing, it breaks down. You have to get it again or get it fixed. You buy something of good quality, you cry only the time when you actually pay the price for it. <laughs> so there's, there's some, my point is there's practicality behind some of these, you know, strong statements about, uh, about, about our life in general, yeah.
Any questions, comments, thoughts on that? Hare Krishna Prabhu, this is Jiva. Yes, Jiva so, Prabhu. So, uh, you have explained this so many times in the past, so I'm reminded of those uh, instructions as you have shared in the past that we should be very careful because the tendency of rationalizing, rational plus lies, rationalize, <laughs> right? That tendency should be avoided. We should really look at the, you know, Sadhguru and Shastra's reference when we engage in any activity and especially money. And uh, so I was looking at it from the four principal areas like Dharmat, Kama, Moksha. While the devotees are everything they're doing with respect to Krishna in direct connection, you know, sometimes rationalization can, you know, it's very bewildering, right? At the mental level, maybe sometimes bewildered and uh, taken away. And so we see as in this uh, chapter, uh, Abdul Brahman, he is explaining, Lord Dattate is explaining that how a man who is greedy he can use the same dharma, earth, and any ritualistic activities looking towards most uh, liberation for karma purpose, right? The focus is sense plus gratification, sense enjoyment. So even whatever money they make by economic development, whatever uh, religiosity they engage in, so they completely ignore the you know liberation aspect and can just be focused on sense gratification. It's yeah. really standing out. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Anything else? Okay. In that case, we can carry on. Um, those who are, this is verse 33. Those who are considered materially powerful and rich are always full of anxieties because of governmental laws, thieves and rogues, enemies, family members, animals, birds, persons seeking charity, the inevitable time factor and even their own selves, they are invariably afraid. Now, you know, again, the Shastra often, or here is a great sadhu, he's looking through a certain lens because a person might read this and say, well, I woke up today, no anxiety at all. It's all good. But I think if we honestly look at our lives, um, especially, you know, a materially powerful and rich person, there's there are, Fears And of course, the biggest one being the uh, second to last one, maybe inevitable time factor. And also, um, I, I, I've known in the past a very wealthy person who, because uh, it says here, people seeking charity and always being asked to, you know, for donations, always being asked for money, you know, and just and, and not really knowing who their real friends are, right? Because people will befriend you often with it, you know, kind of the uh, motive of, you know, um, getting money from you or being seen with them, you know, taking a few selfies with the uh, so-and-so famous person, right? Things like that. So it's not all fun and games, even being uh, powerful and rich. Next verse. Those in human society who are intelligent should give up the original cause of lamentation and losing fear, anger, attachment, poverty, and unnecessary labor. The original cause of all these is the desire for unnecessary prestige and money. Purport. 
Here is the difference between Vedic civilization and the modern demoniac civilization. This was the point of the reference I was talking to earlier with Dean. Vedic civilization concerned itself with how to achieve self-realization. So that was the, that was the goal. And for this purpose, one was recommended to have a small income to maintain body and soul together. Uh, and in other places, Prabhupada would replace small with, um, well, I, I can't think of it, but uh, reasonable or, you know, enough to, to keep body and soul together, as he's saying here. Or a modest income. Modest, yes, yes, thank you. I would love to have a modest income of $500,000 a year. <laughs> I would be very modest, I promise. <laughs> the society was divided into brahmanas, chatriyas, vaishyas, and sudras. And the members of the society would limit their endeavors to meeting their minimal demands. Now, we have to remember there's an there's a, uh, there's a whole context to this society where people didn't fear being out on the street or being um, uh, penniless or, or not knowing where their next meal is coming from, right? So there's a, there's a context to this that, you know, that it's hard to, it's kind of hard to put ourselves in this place um, of, of a culture that's so different than we live in today. But let's read on about it. Uh, the brahmanas in particular would have no material desires. And that means also that they were taken care of. They didn't have, have to worry about the next meal. You know, they, yeah, they, were, they got charity. People actually were trained to give charity and they got charity enough at least to take care of themselves. Because the Chatriyas had to rule the people, it was necessary for them to have money and prestige. But the Vaishyas were satisfied with agricultural produce and milk from the cow. And if by chance they, they, there was, were excess, trade was allowed. So that's obviously a very different depiction than, say, your average uh, Wall Street person or um, here in D.C., um, uh, the, um, the various law firms, or I, I was thinking of the, um, what are they called again? The people who try to... Uh, lobbyists. Lobbyists, thank you, thank you. I, some reason, I, that word, yeah, lobbyists, you know, it's a very different culture, right? I mean, like, whoa. Uh, the sudras were also happy, for they would get food and shelter from the three higher class. So they didn't have any lacking. In the demoniac civilization of the present day, however, there is no question of Brahmins or Chatris. There are only so-called workers and a flourishing mercantile class who have no goal in life. Now, of course, you know, they would argue that I do have a goal in life, but Prabhupada's point is no worthy goal in life, <laughs> no ultimate goal in life, because it all crashes and burns at the end, right? <laughs> uh, so in that sense, no goal in life. But, you know, people have goals. I, I, I probably told that story before that Prabhupada was in Japan and getting the Bhagavad Gita printed by Dai Nippon. And everyone had very kind, you know, they, they, they do this kind of almost this ritual when they give you their business card, they go like this and they hand it to you very nicely. And so Prabhupada had a stack of business cards and there was a break in the negotiations and everyone left the room except one of the junior people. 
And Prabhupada asked him, what is your goal in life? And he took his card, which was on the bottom, and he put it on the top. <laughs> that was his goal. <clears throat> and there is a flourishing mercantile class, you know, uh, right? The, the business men and women of this world and CEOs and et cetera, et cetera. According to Vedic civilization, the ultimate perfection of life is to take sannyas. Now that's, he's, he's now, you know, you, you always have to see where probably, that's of course in the Vedic civilization, not necessarily the devotional, but in the Varnashram, that's the highest, right? The sannyas. But at the present moment, people do not know why, why sannyas is accepted. Because of misunderstanding, they think that one accepts sannyas to escape social responsibilities. Oh yeah, I don't want to maintain my family anymore, and you know, the heck with my older wife now, and my kids are such a pain in the neck. But one does not accept sannyas to escape from responsibilities to society. Generally, one accepts sannyas at the fourth stage of spiritual life. One begins as a brahmachari, then becomes a grihasta, a vanaprastha, and finally a sannyasi to take advantage of the duration of one's life by engaging oneself fully in self-realization. Sannyasa does not mean begging from door to door to accumulate money for sense gratification. However, because in Kali Yuga, people are more or less prone to sense gratification, immature sannyas is not recommended. Can I ask a question regarding this? Yes. More about um, Siddhartha Gautama, but um, you know, I, I like those readings, but one of the things I've always struggled with is the fact that he sort of reached a certain point was just and then just left his wife and son i think it was right i mean young Ooh. siddhartha Ooh. and um it's always been a, a difficult pill for me to swallow because i you know i've always been like okay i get the renouncing of the material but i mean once once you've started it you know it's just doesn't yeah, seem yeah. well yes it's kind of um, like how, how you know that, that seems a little convenient now <laughs> you know maybe you should have thought of it before you <laughs> I, I i can get where that 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 thought process is coming from um and you know we would definitely say that uh, like you know some like uh, you know that that couple that i met the other day or your situation with a young child uh -huh. um there is uh culturally a uh it's not like in the, in, the, in his situation that uh his wife would not be taken care of nicely mm -hmm. now, you know uh or you know would be on you know on the street uh, collecting as Prabhupada would say uh, in the 70s in america collecting welfare you know and food stamps right um and it's, it's, again, it's, it's that I, I totally get where you're coming from. And if someone did that in our society today, matter of fact, people sometimes did do that in our society and, and struggled to maintain their sannyas in, in, in some cases. And now, as, the, as this kind of mature, they say, no, you, you, know, you can't do that. You have to be of a certain age and your, your wife and children, uh, generally speaking, your child should be growing up. And, and your wife, you have to show how your wife is going to be taken care of, you know, to be socially responsible. Mm -hmm. um, and, but I, I, but I am hesitant to like find fault with Siddhartha in that, in that sense, because yeah. um, again, it's so hard to apply 
what happened in a different culture at a different time and place and circumstance to uh, our mindset today. And mm -hmm. in a culture that may have focused completely on uh, self-realization as the goal, we don't know. Maybe his wife was actually, yeah, fine, go for it. You know, I, I get, I get all the spiritual benefit. Uh, I, I, you know, that of whatever spiritual advancement you make, I get, you know, 50% of that or whatever the formula is. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think his wife, to some extent, was. Uh, she um, was sad. I remember reading the story, but realized it was sort of a, a had, you know, had to be. Um, but uh, the young child is kind of a yeah. story. And Actually, but, you know, look what look what he look what he accomplished, and also you know what to speak of being an incarnation of Krishna. Uh, but look what you know look what he so, accomplished, uh, you know, by spreading um, by stopping animal slaughter and the different things that uh, he accomplished in his life by that. And it said said the same thing about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu because um, he also took sannyas um, with a young one. Yeah, and I don't, I don't bring this up to be critical, but no, I solely, that. solely to uh, just, you know, kind of dis discuss. Yeah, I think we gotta discuss things that. Um, yeah. But it would not be recommended. Are difficult. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, in his case, he, when he was born, the astrologer told the king that he will become a renunciate as soon as he sees an old man. Yeah. A poor man, a crippled person, and something. So the king shielded him from all of those. And it wasn't until he was married and had a child and he saw all those and he was like so overwhelmed mm -hmm. with grief for the like, common people and you know, trying to figure out why there are so many miseries. And that turned him away from material life and seeking answers. Yeah, he was on a whole other level of being sheltered yeah. by his father. Yeah. Yeah. Whole another yeah. level of being. Yeah. I know I'm glad you brought it up. Um, and I know you're not being critical because you know if you were then if I felt that then I would have been in a different mood. But but it's it's um, I just find in so many different ways it's so hard for us to, it's so easy, and I'm not talking about this at all now, but it's so easy to be harsh now about certain social standards uh, and try to apply them, whether it's 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 5,000 years ago, or 5 million years ago. It, it, growing up in that situation is just so different than um, in, you know, today, and, and today, you know, 50 years from now or 100 years from now, people might look back at some of the things people do and say, oh, man, I can't believe they did that. You know, right? Things that we think are really good right now. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's a challenge. And, and it's, a, it's a challenge for us to read uh, sh scriptures that were written thousands of years ago and draw the essence, draw the principles and see which details uh, are still applicable to us. For example, the obvious one from the last chapter about Vranaprastha's dressing in tree bark and things like that. 
right? Or being a part, or, or as we're going to read, you know, being, you know, eating like a python for this sannyasi. No, our sannyasis don't don't do that. But the but the principle of being dependent upon Krishna, our sannyasis are definitely expected to do that. So it's a great conversation to have about uh, principles and details. And this is mentioned in the beginning of the sixth chapter of the Nectar Devotion, and it's and knowing the difference between the principle and the detail, Prabhupada, very in a, in a Zen koan kind of way, said that requires some intelligence. <laughs> uh, yes, either Jiva or Nandarupa, I'm not sure which one. Hare Krishna Prabhu. So, yeah, so as uh, Prince Siddhant's story was being given, he sees a child, an old man, you know, a dead person, and so forth. These are like identified as points of revelation. So, yes, we can see the general, uh, you know, behavior of society and somewhere down the line we get this revelation that it strikes us. Chila Prabhupada when he saw that you know his Bhagavad Gita transcription was sold away as Raddi, you know, like at the cost of paper, just to get you know some tea, that was a point of revelation in his life. Yes. Another point of yeah. So again we get so many signs uh, in our life that can help us get to that next level. Realize what are we doing and where we want to be. Is this truly in the direction of my you know, spiritual self-realization? And so we should take opportunities to kind of realize and take positive steps. Again, Newton, everyone was seeing apple falling, but Newton realized there must be something attracting that is falling down, not up. Right? So again, we have so many similar scenarios in our life and that help us understand. Like Bangladesh. Uh, our temples are getting just you know destroyed, vandalized over there. There's such a you know criminal activity, and uh, so it makes us realize that we are still not safe. And temple is said to be transcendental, part of the transcendental world. But again, there, just because it's made up of gross elements, people may misunderstand it to be a place of this world and can harm. And we have seen this in the history, time and again. Yeah. Thank you for reminding us about Prabhupada. So yes, he he also took sannyas, um, and he also made arrangements. Especially once Iskhan had some money, he made arrangements for his wife and his children to get a monthly some stipend um, for their for their welfare. And so that, uh, um, and he did that through others. He didn't personally, you know, because sannyas means sannyas. You. Uh, give it up that aspect of your life. Um, but he arranged for his disciples to take care of his family in that way. Um, and a, a good friend of mine, I won't mention his name, but when he took sannyas and Iskhan, and then his pre, you know, that you would call a previous wife, um, it ran into some financial challenges because of her health. Um, uh, through his disciples, they gave me the Lakshmi and I gave it to her because she was living in Vrindavan at that time. And, and you know, so she was made sure that she was taken care of. Okay, let us carry on. The bee and the python are two, this is verse 35, are two excellent spiritual masters who give us exemplary instructions regarding how to be satisfied by collecting only a little and how to stay in one place and not move. From the bumblebee, I have learned to be unattached to accumulating money, 
For although money is as good as honey, anyone can kill its owner and take it away. I do not endeavor for get to get anything. Now remember, this is not, the details of his behavior is not something that we can exemplify, but it's still amazing to hear it, isn't it? I do not endeavor to get anything, but I'm satisfied with whatever is achieved in its own way. So we can adopt that mood of it, depending on Krishna, um, even if not the details. If I do not get anything, I am patient and agitated like a python and lie down in this way for many days. Sometimes I eat a very small quantity and sometimes a great quantity. Sometimes the food is very palatable and sometimes it is stale. Sometimes prasad is offered with great respect and sometimes food is given neglectfully. Sometimes I eat during the day and sometimes at night. Thus I eat what is easily available. To cover my body, I use whatever is available, whether it be linen, silk, cotton, bark, or deerskin, according to my destiny. And I am fully satisfied and unagitated. Sometimes I lie on the surface of the earth, sometimes on leaves, grass, or stones, sometimes on a pile of ashes, or sometimes by the will of others in a palace on a first-class bed with pillows. Now Prabhupada reveals some of the, what, what he was thinking. The learned, the learned Brahmana's description indicates different types of births. That's interesting. For one lies down according to one's body. Sometimes one takes birth as an animal and sometimes as a king. When he takes birth as an animal, he must lie down on the ground. When he takes birth as a king or a very rich man, he is allowed to lie in first-class rooms in huge palaces decorated with beds and other furniture. Such facilities are not available, however, at the sweet will of the living entity. Rather, they are available by the supreme will, parichaya, or by the arrangement of maya and also our karma. So that... You know, that's um, this, according to Vedic literature, this is reality that we, we, who knows how in the different ways we've lied down to take rest in our different bodies in the past. Um, and therefore we want to try to become free from any more lying down in the future. But, um, Go back home, back to Godhead. Text 41. Just stop me if you want to make a comment. Oh, my Lord, sometimes I bathe myself very nicely, smear sandalwood pulp all over my body, put on a flower garland and dress in fine garments and ornaments. Then I travel like a king on the back of an elephant or on a chariot or a horse. Sometimes, however, I travel naked like a person haunted by a ghost. Different people are of different mentalities. Of course, animals in one sense travel naked, right? Different people are of different mentalities. Therefore, it is not my business either to praise them or to blaspheme them. I only desire their welfare, hoping they will agree to become one with the super soul, the supreme personality of Godhead, Krishna. Now, this one means ultimately one in interest, not literally merging into God. And in the second half of the purport, it says, there is no use in praising someone for material qualifications or blaspheming him for material disqualifications. It's not, it's not ultimately them. In the material world, good and bad have no meaning. And this is an exalted consciousness. 
In the material world, good and bad have no meaning because if one is good, he may be elevated to the higher planetary system. And if one is bad, he may be degraded to the lower planetary systems. People of different mentalities are sometimes elevated and sometimes degraded, but this is not the goal of life. Rather, the goal of life is to become free from elevation and degradation and take to Krishna consciousness. Therefore, a saintly person does not discriminate between that which is supposedly good and supposedly bad. Rather, he desires for everyone to be happy in Krishna consciousness, which is the goal, uh, the ultimate goal. Of so I don't know if I can find that the verse maybe uh, that really talks about this so nicely. Uh, no, it's in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, and I'm not finding it. Um, but it basically, oh, wait, maybe that's, um, let's see, one, give me a second, I'll try it, because it's such a uh, nice verse. Because what Prabhupada is basically telling us is um, we don't want to live in the uh, world of duality. Let's see if I can find this real quickly. Okay, it's in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. I'll, um, I'll share my screen for a second so you can see it. It's kind of a famous verse. Dvaite badra badra jnana sabha manu dharma e bhala e manda e sabha brahma. In the material world, conceptions of good and bad are all mental speculations. Therefore, saying this is good and this is bad is all a mistake. And Prabhupada writes, Krishna, the Supreme Personality of God, it is the absolute truth, ever existing with different varieties of energies. When one is absorbed in the illusory energy of Krishna and cannot understand Krishna, one cannot ascertain what is good for him and what is bad. Conceptions of good and bad are all imaginations or mental speculations. When one forgets that he is the eternal servant of Krishna, he wants to enjoy the material world through different plans. At that time, he distinguishes between material plans that are good and those that are bad. Actually, however, they are all false. So not exactly good or bad, they're false. I'm just trying to see if, uh, so it's, it's a well-known verse. So there's a difference between, so good and bad in this world is all kind of like false because it's temporary, right? Like let's say if we are a sports fan, uh, uh, the Washington Wizards are bad. Yeah. They don't ever seem to win. But that's temporary. And uh, I don't know how many years ago, I guess when there was a guy named Wes Unseld, they were really good. I, I think when I was a kid in the 70s. Um, but, okay, sometimes good, sometimes bad. And the ultimate, you know, a thousand years from now, who could care about Washington Wizards? You know, it, it's not truly good or bad, right? So that, that's the point. Uh, because it, both are false in the sense that they are temporary considerations. Now, it could seem like eternity since they've been good. That's a joke, not a, a real thing. New York Jets seem like it's been eternal, eternally bad. <laughs> but I wouldn't know now. I took, um, yeah, anyway. Um, so questions or comments on this point? About the famousness of of um, sports people, I always think about like the if you read about ancient Rome and there were certain gladiators who were so followed and so loved and they had a cult 
and their names were remembered for years and everybody knew who they were. Everybody wanted to be seen with them. Everybody, you know, that was like, so, you know, and they were so important, you know, but now do we know the name of any gladiator? Mm -hmm. No, no. I mean, maybe if we saw that, that there was a movie, right? With uh, Brad Pitt or something. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he's, I think you're talking about when he plays the Achilles and he's yeah, constantly yeah. talking. No one will remember your name to the you know normal people. And of course, we all know that. Yeah, like you said, one day he'll be forgotten too. Yeah, for sure. And but in a matter of time, that the eyes of God is probably like a blink of the eye. He'll be forgotten. Yeah, we do see that spiritual leaders are are often the most recognized, you know, like we just mentioned Siddharth and Lord Krishna and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Jesus Christ and Muhammad, and et cetera. I they, think if you, if the thing that makes it even more absurd, these things that we chase is that the second, for instance, Alexander the Great died, everything that he did was for naught. I mean, yeah. assuming that he doesn't somehow remember, you know, uh, what happened. I mean, it's, some of the things we chase after are really on the surface. They're so yeah. nonsensical. It's almost hard to fathom. You know? Yes. For, for, yes. I mean, so you're, so you're, you're just looking at from a practical point of view, it's chasing a um, mirage. And then from a, a spiritualist point of view, it's totally chasing a mirage. Even if one Yeah. It's even worse than that. Right. Yeah. Assuming, you know, you're committing all these acts to, achieve your glory which will be forgotten and well in the case of alexander for instance what was it a, i think a mosquito eventually wiped them out yeah. malaria yeah. right and he died quite young and he everything that he conquered like you said he was later lost yeah uh nandarupa and jiva have put uh famous verse in the second chapter of the gita that the vedas mainly deal with three modes of material nature and he's saying rise above those and be transcendental to them and be free from all duality anxieties for gain and safety and be established in the self very nice very nice uh anything else okay very question, Prabhu. oh yes Nandimuki, please go ahead just a little summary on this okay i think the good and bad actually depends on the perspective that is assumed by the seer Right, right. And, um, okay, do you want to say more about that? Good and bad, yes. So, and, and someone, you know, just like music, for example, right? Uh, somebody listens to hip hop and they think, fantastic, oh, I love it. Another person says, that's music? Are you kidding? Right. Or somebody, you know, whatever it is, heavy metal or jazz or budget, you know, or, you know, um, budgeons or, you know, people will have good and bad according to um, their their point of view. I kind of that's kind of what you're saying, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so then the question is. Does that mean everything is relative? And this verse, what Jiva is quoting here, or Ananda, Ananda Rupa, and the verse that I quoted from Chaitanya Charitamrita is saying that there is objective good and bad, but it's not to be found here. 
Mm. It's yes. good to to, uh, to develop our love for God and bad not to. But otherwise, <laughs> so many things that, you know, uh, in my profession, I'm dealing with subjectivity all the time. And we are in our daily, day-to-day lives, right? Um, but one person says, oh, such and such is such a micromanager. This is what I hear a lot at work. And then the other person, oh, I'm just being responsible. I'm just doing what HR tells me to do, right? So they're, they're looking at the same behavior and looking at it differently. Somebody looks at the same, you know, subji and one per, you know, the same, you know, vegetable preparation and one person loves it and the other person says, oh no, I don't, if I see that again, I'm gonna die, right? Um, yes. <laughs> so, and, yeah. Um, and the, the good thing about bhakti yoga devotional service is that it connects this temporary and subjectivity aspects. It connects that, connect those to the eternal mm-hmm. and objective thing. Very nice. And in the, in terms of like, you know, the, the practical, Prabhupada said that we should, our society should cultivate unity in diversity. So we may have diverse opinions about something or diverse preferences for prashadam or diverse preferences maybe for some of the instruments that we use in our kirtan or, you know, but we should maintain the overall unity and allow for diversity. And, and in one sense, that's the entire philosophy. In one sense, achintya beta, abeda tattva. Simultaneously one with and inconceivably simultaneously. One with and separate from. <laughs> so that's basically unity and diversity. And we're one with God on one level, but we're different from him also. Inconceivably simultaneously. So that is what Lord Chaitanya's greatest lesson was in one sense, the chincha beta beta in terms of philosophical points. So nicely put. So we are going to have varieties, but sometimes, and then Prabhupada said, if you fight over the varieties, that's the material platform. Now that doesn't mean everything goes. There's varieties within certain limits, right? So we... We can argue about, you know, which is better, a uh, blueberry banana smoothie or a uh, nimbu pani, you know. Uh, um, but we wouldn't argue between which is better, nimbu pani or uh, gin and baka, right? or whatever it is, gin and tonic, right? Because that one is outside of the, uh, the boundaries. But within the boundaries, you know, <laughs> And for that, we shouldn't fight. Again, Prabhupada tells the story of the two people. I told this recently before, you know, fighting over what's more effective, the knife or the scissors. And they got into such a heated argument. Yes, that's right, Henry. And the guy who favored the knife pushed the person with the scissors into the river that they were were walking over the bridge. And he couldn't swim. But with his last breath, he puts his fingers up like this and goes scissors wants to win the argument so let them let them both you like the knife okay you like the scissors okay let's chant Hare Krishna so let's let's finish this chapter also today uh which we're almost 
done with. Yeah, we're on um, 43, right? The mental concoction, wait, was that the one we just read? No. The mental concoction of discrimination between good and bad should be accepted as one unit and then invested in the mind, which should then be invested in the false ego. The false ego should be invested in the total material energy. This is the process of fighting false discrimination. Um, this is a technical way of, of, of returning back to God where with the uh, different elements in our body, the yogic way, you could say, of, um, of basically undoing, a simple way to put it is undoing creation um, metaphysically, but then within our own body and in this way, returning back to Krishna. But let's read the, the first part of the purport. This, this verse describes how a yogi can be freed from material affection. So that's a yogi. Because of material attraction, a karmi, a materialist, cannot see himself. They don't see who they really are. Gannis, people who understand the difference between the body and the soul, can discriminate between matter and spirit. But they stop there. But the yogis, the best of whom are the bhakti yogis, want to return home back to Godhead. The karmis are completely in illusion. The gannis are neither in illusion nor in positive knowledge. But the yogis, especially the bhakti yogis, are completely on the spiritual platform. So the, the gannis are somewhere in the middle. They, they may understand the difference between the body and the soul, but they don't have positive knowledge of Krishna and of bhakti. Next word, 44. A learned, thoughtful person must realize that material existence is illusion. This is possible. This is, again, that renunciate speaking. This is possible only by self-realization. A self-realized person who has actually seen the truth should retire from all material activities being situated in self-realization. Pallad Maharaj, you are, and he's speaking to Pallad Maharaj, you are certainly a self-realized soul and a devotee of the Supreme Lord. You do not care for public opinion or so-called scriptures. For this reason, I have described to you without hesitation the history of my self-realization. Narada Muni continued, after Pallad Maharaj, the king of the demons, heard these instructions from the saint, he understood the occupational duties of a perfect person, Paramahansa. Thus, he duly worshipped the saint, took his permission, and then left for his own home. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purports of the seventh canto, 13th chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam, entitled Behavior of a Perfect Person. So that is our class for today. If you get a chance tomorrow, if you Google Narottama Das Thakur um, and maybe read something about his life, because tomorrow is the uh, day many years ago that he left this world and he was such a great Acharya. Um, Sitala Devi wrote a beautiful book on Narottama Das Thakur. But such a uh, very simple-hearted, very pure. He wrote in he wrote songs in simple Bengali that they have. Prabhupada says they are deeper than the fancy Sanskrit of the Vedas, um, or equal to these. Um, and so tomorrow is his uh, disappearance day. And I think that's the main thing before our next class. Um, but we have, okay, so next class is on Sunday, which is also a codicy. 
Rama Ekadasi. And that's also the day here at the temple where we have Jeev Jago, where we have a, um, special program for devotees that they can come even at 4.30 in the morning for Bangala Arti. And this uh, last, last week we had Shashtivar Prabhu lead it and it was really wonderful. And this week things will be led by Rukmini Devi. And she'll uh, lead some of the kirtans, have other people lead others, and she will give the class. And then there'll be a nice Ikadasi feast. <laughs> Randy Muki, please come from New Jersey. <laughs> and uh, Dean, please come from California. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. All right, thanks. And David, come from South Carolina. <laughs> all right, so thank you very much. Nice to see you all, and we'll see you next week, Krishna willing. Hare Krishna. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.